Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Onion Unlimited, the podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Torridon. So we are joined this evening by my friend, Marianne. Hello, Marianne. How are you today? Hey, Daniel. Very good. Am I coming in okay? You are indeed. Yeah, Great. good to have you on board. You're... Uh, you're in from uh, New Jersey. That's right. Yes. It? So, uh, yes, I am. Another side of the world to me. Nice to have you on board. <laughs> Thank you. So, we're hoping for uh, a bit of interaction with some of the uh, listeners this evening. So, uh, Marianne, you are um, an ex Jehovah's Witness. Is that correct? That is very correct. And you are also an atheist, I see from your Twitter bio. Yes. And uh, it just struck me that both of those labels, XJW and Atheist, actually tell us what you're not, <laughs> not what you are. <laughs> so what are you, Marianne? <laughs> uh, well, I, I actually was raised at least from the age of three. That's mm-hmm. when my parents were um, baptized. Yep. Um, so I basically say I'm born in even though, you know, I don't even know what my parents did before they yeah. were baptized. If we ever celebrate anything, don't have no recollection. That's practically, um, practically born in, isn't it? Practi- almost as close as you can get. And I left when I was actually the day after my 18th birthday, I told my parents I was not ah. going to go to the meetings or go in service or any of that anymore. I was done. Needless to say, that didn't go over too well. Were you baptized um, at the time? And I was, yes. You were. Um, I was baptized when I was 16, yep. and in the state that I live in, you're not considered fully emancipated, I believe the word is, until you're mm-hmm. 18. So, I always like to say, you know, if I, if I wasn't allowed to drive a car or buy a house or sign a contract by myself, to me, that vow didn't mean anything at all. I just did yep. it because my father mostly was pushing me to do it. So, that's why I did it, just to kind of yeah. quiet him down. Um, so yeah, I was baptized for two years when I left. So you got baptized at 16? Yes. Yeah. Same, same with me actually. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I was 16. Uh, I actually got baptized with my sister in the same pool. She oh, was, wow. uh, she was 14. Oh, And okay. it was actually the fact that my sister was getting baptized that actually kind of pushed me a little bit into getting baptized myself oh wow i didn't know that's Mm. oh wow okay yeah when when she was 14 and she she started going through the baptism questions and i was 16 Mm -hmm. and i wasn't even thinking about baptism uh i kind of felt a little bit left out (laughs) (laughs) you really weren't missing much dan plus plus i don't know if if your parents were like this at all i mean they meant the best for us i I understand this but you could basically get baptized and, and serve Jehovah, or the alternative was to not get baptized and be in Satan's system and die at Armageddon, you know? Yeah, yeah. Same on my end. Yeah. Um, they really felt that, you know, um, it was a saving point, I guess you would say. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, 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 and I, t- I don't know about you, but I'm the oldest of six kids, five are living, and um, I guess they saw me as, well, if Marianne does it, the rest will do it. Does that make any sense? Uh-huh. Yeah, I totally, totally get that. So you were baptized at 16, but then within two years, you decided you'd had enough. What, what yeah. would you say it was that made you decide that you didn't want to do it anymore? Actually, Daniel, to be honest with you, 
I can remember being as young as five and mm-hmm. saying to myself, I thinking to myself, I wish my parents or mostly my dad didn't meet the brother who was responsible for bringing them into it. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but at a young age, I knew this. I just wish they never got involved in this. Yeah. But nevertheless, you ended up getting baptized. Did you feel any pressure to get baptized? Was that huge? Um, mm. Especially, like I said, on my dad's end, a little bit at my mom, yeah. too, but mostly my dad. I guess he was a ministerial servant. He never became an elder. He, he mm. died relatively young. But um, mm. so I, I, maybe he felt that my not being and being the, the oldest, you yeah. know, that it wasn't looking too good on their end, maybe. Yes. Yeah. It's, it, it's that kind of 16 years old age, isn't it? When it, when you get to about 16, it's like the questions start getting asked. Why, yeah. why are you not baptized yet? And if you yeah. get to 18 and you're not baptized, that's even worse, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I'm sure it would be. Those, and look uh, at me, I left at 18. Um, yeah. And I didn't move out until I was 20. So for two years, right. I don't know how it was a long two years. I'm telling you right now, it felt a long two years. But, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, it was the best thing I ever did. One of the best uh, things I ever I did. I can imagine there would have been a bit of tension there as well for that two years. Uh, a lot, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You're out, obviously. Mm. What would you say the key reasons are for not going back? Because I'm sure you've been encouraged to go back many times by family oh, or sure. old friends. And- I still have a couple of siblings that are in it. Out of the mm. four siblings that are alive, two are still in it. So what would you tell them, you know, if they say, oh, come on back, you've got to come back, what would be your reasons for not? Just that I know too much, you know. I yeah. I always like to say, you know, being part Italian like the mafia, I know too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just read too many things, seen yeah. too many things to know that it's not uh, what it's all crapped up cracked up to be <laughs> or even cracked up to be <laughs> i was gonna say a little 40 and slip there i think uh, um so yeah i just know too much and they kind of know it. my one sister who's still in it doesn't really have much to do with me um i'm assuming it's because of shunning she only yeah. emails me when absolutely necessary which is fine and yeah. my brothers who is in it he's just a different kind of person so he doesn't he, he calls me regularly and when he starts to bring it up I'm able to change the subject tactfully. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say, what are your main sticking points? Is it doctrinal? Is it procedural? Is it the abuse cases? What would you say the main reason for you saying, I don't believe this? Um, I always kind of felt like something was off. Like I said, even as a youngster, mm-hmm. I just, once in a while I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm lucky that I'm in this you know, cause I won't die at Ar- Cause Armageddon stuck with me for a long time, even when uh, I didn't believe it anymore. Um, I, that, that was like the last doctrine, part of the doctrine that I kind of shed, but I didn't know about all the abuse cases until much, much later on. Mm, that, same that really, here. Same here. Right. Good. Yeah. Glad to hear I'm not mm. the only one. Yeah. And I'm not too surprised. I mean, I, I think I, I read somewhere that in over in, in your neck of the woods and over there in England, with the, the the top three religions, like I think JWs are like in the top three of of abuse cases, and they're, yeah. they're a lot smaller than like the Church of England, the Catholics, whatever. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, it was uh, over in the UK. We I don't know if it's still on, but we used to have a uh, program called Panorama. And uh, I mean, this is going back years and years now. There was a uh, a breaking story on the Panorama program 
all about the abuse cases. And if I'm honest, it was pretty much pretty much hushed up within the congregations. We were we were all given the heads up that it was coming on on the TV, right. and basically told, "Don't watch it." Yeah. <laughs> and if anyone asks you about it. You've not seen it. <laughs> You've not seen it, exactly. It doesn't um, exist. Yeah. And and I, I didn't actually really pick up on the abuse until way after. It was mostly, for me, it was doctrinal points, just things that I, I read and they didn't square with the Bible. I think that's the thing for right, me. Right, right. I mean, just simple things like holidays and birthdays. There really isn't anything in there that says, don't do this, don't do that. And no. I never could quite understand why everybody else could have fun and we, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, you just want to have a normal life. That was my whole thing. I always said, I just want a normal life. You know, yeah. that's why I'm so happy that my children have had a normal life. You know, they were able to have, that's good. go out <laughs> trick or treating, have Christmas, you know, yeah. a normal existence. That's they, all. <laughs> <laughs> I remember as an elder, I mean, I'm, I'm ashamed of this now, but I actually disfellowshipped somebody for, for allowing their kids to trick and treat. Really? Really. But you know what? You have yeah, to you know, realize Halloween. your mind was in a different place then. Mm. It was almost like you were a different. That was the J. Yeah. Daniel, and now you're not the J. Daniel. <laughs> I was on the ministry, on the field ministry with another elder. And I think, at the t- I mean, he, he was the, uh, if you've listened to me podcast before, he was the yes. control freak presiding overseer. Yes. Yep. Right. And at the time, I was just a young el- elder and kind of, you know, trying to impress people, and I mm. suppose. And, uh, yeah, we were walking past his sister's house and we saw a pumpkin in the window, <laughs> you know, with the old eyes and the flame yes. in the middle. And uh, I said to him, I'm pretty sure that's a sister's house. And he said, no, can't be. Got a pumpkin in the window. And I says, yeah, yeah it is. So, uh, yeah, we went and knocked the door and she went, hello, you know, come on in, have a cup of tea. <laughs> we sat there the with this, yeah, pumpkin in the window. <laughs> and I says to her, um, noticed your pumpkin in the window. She went, yeah. So you do realise that you can't be a Jehovah's Witness if you celebrate Halloween. <laughs> she, oh. Her reply was basically, well, I won't be a Jehovah's Witness then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was probably the quickest open and close judicial hearing ever, that one. <laughs> oh, wow. That, yeah, that was, do you think it even happened? That happened so fast. Maybe it didn't even happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I've got um, Jay has just dropped on the, um, on the live chat. He said, hello, Jay. He said, uh, I Googled when did ancient Jerusalem fall? And that was it for me. Oh, yes. The 1607-1914 is a big one for people, isn't it? The internet really has put a stunt on their growth, hasn't it? Because when I left, I'm not sure exactly when the internet was invented, but when I left in 1986, you really didn't have that. You know, you might have had some books like Crisis of Conscience, which I did read, but so for you, it was um, what just a variety of things. It just felt off, and yeah, yeah, I did. It just didn't make sense. And then I, I, I often wonder, like, how can we be the only ones that know everything? Because uh, all yeah. the religions think they they are the one, or they, or they're you know. So how do how can we prove that? And I never felt like anyone could give me a real good answer. No. Like it was always the leave it in Jehovah's hands or they'd give me an answer and it just didn't seem to set, you know, I I don't know. There was a lot of things and I don't like being told what to do. So (laughs) I think that was part of it too. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, that's good. Yeah. I I think I was like that as well. Always being told to be humble. (laughs) Yeah. And it's worse for women. I don't want to, I don't want to pull out the the female card, but 
there really isn't much for women to do except i guess pioneer maybe and and what were those little talks on the side we were allowed that they weren't called talks they were called something else on the side like you usually had another sister with you yeah and you were able to do like it was almost like you were acting so that was kind of fun but you couldn't there really wasn't much for you you couldn't even do a bible reading could you no and i didn't like if someone was disfellowshipped i didn't like that i couldn't talk to them yes i'm like yeah I, i hated that i hated that so it sounds like you uh, it sounds like you're quite an intuitive person and you listen to your inner voice yeah that's, hopefully that's it hasn't steered like. me too wrong <laughs> no no i think i think you know you you sometimes you you just know that things are off you can't necessarily put your put your finger on exactly what it is mm-hmm. But it just doesn't feel right. I mean, looking back now, I, I, I used to feel the same. If I saw a disfellowship person and I walked across the road to avoid them, I always felt guilty. You know? Right. And I, now I know I why. Would, I would always it smile anyway. I'm surprised I didn't get in trouble yeah. for doing that. Yeah, I, I used to do a few smiles and winks and that sort of thing. Something. <laughs> because I just couldn't be that way, you know? And yeah. I also, the whole thing about Armageddon. And oh, yeah. I don't know how many billions of people dying that never s- set right with me either. Cause I'm like, if this really is the truth, why wouldn't God who's supposed to be so, you know, control everything. Why wouldn't he just put it in everybody's head? You better be a J dub or else. And then, you know, wouldn't that be so much easier than having people try to go door to door and not find everyone? I don't know. Yeah. No, I didn't the, like that. All, either. The, all those people dying at Armageddon. Yes. Are- a big thing. It's a funny thing, actually. Armageddon never really bothered me that much. In you know, personally, never bothered mm-hmm. me. But I know a lot of um, people that have left the organisation, and then that one has haunted them for a long time afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of feeling that they're going to die at Armageddon, and I can't stress enough. I've done a few podcasts on this. You're not right. <laughs> it, it's just not going to happen. It, right. You know. It's um, yeah. it is purely a fear mongering tactic. Oh, definitely. So that after you've left, they can still control you. I, I just remember I was ten years old when my book of I like to call it my book of horror stories, but my book of oh. Bible stories came out. Yeah, a- and that the page, a lot of pages bother me, but the one that always got me the most was the one on Noah's Ark. I don't know if you remember what it mm, looked like. I do with the little baby the baby and the mom and then Mm. the poor i'm a huge animal lover and just the animals that were left behind like and they're at the top of i guess a mountain trying to get away from the floodwaters that's right and it's coming up always got me like right in the feels as i like to say you know yeah psychologically there's there's really only two motivating factors love or fear Mm. and uh, you know if if the uh, love aspect doesn't work people often resort to fear-based motivation don't they um, you're right you often you often see this when you when i get into conversations with religious types whether it's uh, fundamental christians or um even some some branches of hinduism which is generally speaking quite gentle right if you reach an impasse where they uh, can't kind of convince you of their argument it very quickly turns to well you're going to hell or <laughs> Krishna's <laughs> Krishna doesn't yeah. love you or <laughs> whatever, oh. and it's um, it's a little bit desperate. I think it's a desperate attempt to. Uh, it's not really an argument, is it? No, it's not really. There's no argument to that at all. I think that's it's another thing divisive. about 
for me being an atheist, I, mm. I don't have to worry about like what anybody else believes because I'm like, okay, that's great. Good for you. You know? Yeah. So I, <laughs> Yeah, I want to I want to come on to the uh, atheism actually in just a little bit because even though I class myself as a spiritual person still, I actually have a lot of respect for atheists and I actually get the atheist stance very much. In fact, today I was just watching back to back episodes of uh, the atheist experience with uh, Matt Dillahunty. I don't know if I'll you've watched any of those. Yeah, I mean he's. Um, <laughs> It's not for the uh, faint-hearted. Matt Dillahunty is uh, not just a robust debater. He uh, he doesn't suffer fools. And some people ring into his show with, you know, an argument for God. Right. And within a few words, he's totally demolished it. <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> he's like the Hitchens of his era, huh? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. God. <laughs> no you know, pun intended. I still, I still say that, too. And I'm Do like, you? Yeah. And I'm thinking, I think it's just a figure of speech at this point. There was the, uh, there were the three main atheists, weren't there? Was it, uh, there was Hitchens, Dawkins, and Harris, weren't there? Yes. They were, they were, and Hitchens, I, I really liked Hitchens. He's uh, sadly missed. He, he is, and it's, it just goes to show you that, you know, unfortunately, uh, with the smoking and the drinking, I always felt like, oh, if he just, it's, it's some people say that are Christian. Got a throat cancer, didn't he? I think in the end, was it? Yeah. They're like, you know, if he had listened, to what God said, he wouldn't have died. Oh. And it's like, oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like Nobody's it was perfect. Pun- and that's fine by me. He was such a good debater, though. Oh, he really I was. I wish I had a quarter of mm. his reasoning. Yeah. He, he was an amazing man. So we'll get on to, uh, in just a little bit, we'll get on to this subject, uh, the title of the podcast today, the uh, live stream, Can an Atheist Be Spiritual? If you're tuning in, we've got a few uh, few listeners now. If you're tuning in, Maybe you'd like to leave a comment on that. Can an atheist be spiritual? We'll discuss that a bit later, maybe in the second half a bit more. Just for the time being, I'd like to just ask the question, can an atheist be good? This was off of your uh, Twitter feed. People don't need religion. Religion needs people. They're just corporations and they need your money to thrive. Religion doesn't make you a better person. Intelligence and kindness does. Religion doesn't feed the poor. Good people with big hearts do that. Just remember that. That's a quote by Don Freeman. Mm. I think that's excellent. That People often think that if you go, if you become atheist, that's your, that's all your morals gone, don't they? Yeah, it's like your get out of jail free card or something. You don't have to worry about it anymore. But I don't feel that way. No. I can't speak for everyone, but I, I think you can still be a good person and, and do yes. the right thing with or without religion. Very much so. In fact, I think you can be a bad person because of religion. There's a lot of things that take place in religion that uh, perhaps wouldn't take place if you're an atheist. I'm just uh, let me just see if I can bring up this this quote. A little bit of a controversial one, but uh, you'll see what I mean. It says, "I have yet to read a science book that commands me to stone non-believers to death." <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's I, a good I one. Saw- one one time that was something like science flies you to the moon while religion flies you into buildings, something like that. Oh God. Have, yeah. 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 I have that on yeah. my iPhone and I, on my pictures. <laughs> so um, reason I pull, reason I pull that one up, stoning people to death. Obviously we think of the, uh, you know, the old, uh, old law covenant, oh, you know, yeah. the, uh, the Israelites, God's supposed chosen people that would stone people to death, even for mm-hmm. picking up sticks on the, uh, 
oh. sticks on the Sabbath. You know which one always got me the worst, Daniel? Mm-hmm. I don't remember the, the Bible character's name off the top of my head, but the Ark of the Covenant was being moved. Yeah, the guy that steadied it with his hands. Yes. Yeah. Mm. How many of us, if we see something about the fall, we just instinctively reach out to stop it? We don't even think mm-hmm. that we're doing that. And he was, I think God killed him, didn't he? I mean, it's been mm-hmm. a long time yeah. since I've yeah, read struck, the Bible. But struck dead. Yeah. Struck dead instantly, apparently. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that happened or not. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's another, exactly. another matter. But the fact it's in the Bible narrative. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, people say, well, we don't stone people to death now. <laughs> we just cancel them. <laughs> we just cancel them. <laughs> yeah. And if you're a witness, it's interesting. If you look under the um, section for stoning in the Watchtower Publications Index, it's actually got a link, a direct link back to the article on disfellowshipping. Oh, so it kind of oh. is a psychological death, isn't it? When it you is. become disfellowshipped. I mean, I don't know what your status is. Are you, were you just faded? You know, that's a good or question. Did, um, did you disassociate or? I never sent a letter. No. Um, when I moved out, my dad asked if I would meet with the elders in their relatively new congregation because they had moved. And I'm like, I just did it to be nice to my dad. Yeah. And my, and uh, so my dad wasn't in the meeting with me. It was just me. And I believe three other elder, three elders, yeah, And I said to them, I'm only here because of my dad. You know, he asked me to, so I came. I don't live under his roof anymore. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, I have no desire to ever come back here again. Um, and I hope that you are not going to make it hard on my dad because of what my decisions are. Um, because I think that would be really cruel. And I left no. and I never went back. And there was no follow-up, follow-up with no that? Follow-up, no follow-up, no. Um, there have been people that have come to my door here where I live now. Mm. Um, can I tell you a quick funny story? Mm, absolutely, yeah. All right, kind of funny. I wasn't here, so I can only imagine. Um, I was out doing errands, whatever I was doing. My husband was in the garden. He, he did not grow up at J-Dub, by the way. And he sees two gentlemen's suits, so he knew exactly where they were from. And they asked for me, they, well, actually they asked his permission to talk to me as the head of our household. So I found that kind of ironic because, and my husband said, well, my wife doesn't need my permission to talk to anybody. She talks to whoever she wants, but I think if you talk to her, you're not going to like what she has to say. So, um, I'll let her know you stopped by, but she's not home right now, which was true. I was out. Yeah. So, um, they actually called the house, I guess a couple of weeks later. And I basically told them to, as you guys like to say, sod off. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> did I say that right? <laughs> you did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sod off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You say it better than I do. And that's it. The only time I've stepped foot in a kingdom hall since I left would have been from my mother's memorial service was, was almost five years ago. So yeah. It broke my streak. I was so like, oh, no, (laughs) I'm going to break my streak. But um, yeah, so that's it. What would you say the uh, biggest challenge after leaving the witnesses for you personally? Biggest challenge? Uh, Well, I brought up before, I still kind of hung on to that Armageddon doctrine. So that was hard. I would have a lot of nightmares before I finally did my research and put that aside. So kind of deprogramming um, was... Yeah, and yeah. and I guess the second thing, which was pretty close to that, would be trying to figure out what did I really believe in? Not just, uh, not just, not just religion or spirituality or that, yeah. but 
like, did I really think that something like getting a tattoo was wrong? Did I really think that, you know, all the things that I bought, I had to decide for myself, like, well, what did I think about it? Yeah. Me, not what anybody else did, not what they thought. What did I think? That was a, does that sound silly though? No, no, because I I went through exactly the same uh, process. Uh, What I actually did, (laughs) I got, you know, the, uh, you know, post-it notes. I got a series of post-it notes and I wrote, different subjects on the post-it notes blood mm-hmm. paradise armageddon bible etc and i literally right. stuck them all over my wall in my room it looked a bit like one of those uh, serial killers rooms you Uh-oh. know <laughs> <laughs> just needed the strings connecting the yeah, yeah. but yeah I, I put them up on the wall and i just stared at those for a, a good couple of months something to focus my mind on and to kind of pick the pieces apart. I mean, other people might use a journal, perhaps. Right. But I, I think you do need to do something like that. I think you need to make a good list of all the things that you used to believe and decide whether or not you still believe them. Right. E- even if, even if you go from Jehovah's Witnesses to, say, Christianity, that doesn't necessarily mean everything you believed as a witness is going to fit with Christianity, does it? Yeah, exactly. It, you know, it's, it's, I remember at my mother's memorial service, my son's girlfriend attended too. She's Catholic. Hmm. And when we were leaving, I heard her say to my son, who's this Jehovah they kept talking about? <laughs> she had no idea what that meant. She had never heard that, yeah. that name before. Yeah, it is a very unique, uh, unique organization to be to be in. And uh, yeah, I think what you need to do after you leave this, this is just what I found. There's two, two tips I would give. First of all, unplug. Mm. I think if you keep going back and, you know, visiting the website or, you know, listening into the Zoom meetings or, or whatever it is, I think you never really kind of get it out of your system. If you've made a decision that you're, you're going to leave, leave. I think yeah. that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. Unplug. And then before you go diving into another religion or, or making any definite choices on what you believe, actually sit down and de- deconstruct what you mm-hmm. what you believed and what your new beliefs are. You know, and feel free to try things on as well. You know, there's there's nothing right. to say that you can't visit another church or try atheism on for a week or two or agnosticism or visit a Buddhist temple or whatever. Yeah, it's exactly. Fine, it's finding what works for you, doesn't it? Yeah. So what? What um, you ended up with atheism, didn't you? So what? What kind of yes. eventually brought you to that that point? Do you think? Um, I guess I just never felt a, like any spiritual presence in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never. Some people say they have, and that's great. I say you go. I just never felt it. I always felt like, um, oh gosh, I hope this doesn't sound like really snotty, but I always felt like if I wanted anything done, I had to take care of it myself. You know what I mean? Like I never felt like I had that guiding presence. And um, yeah, so I would say that was probably one of the, one of the the main component of why I just felt like, okay, you're on your own. You got to get this done or it ain't going to get done, whatever it might be. Yep. Oh, I totally get that. I'll, uh, I shall come back to that point in a little right. bit because uh, I'm actually going to ask you whether you think I'm an atheist or not. Because <laughs> well, I don't I know. think you are. <laughs> Am I or not? I'm going to have a look at that in a little bit because um, okay. I'm spiritual. You are, yes. But that doesn't necess- 
doesn't necessarily mean I believe in a God. So we'll, we'll, we'll have a look right. at that in a little bit. Okay. Right. Got a couple of comments in from uh, Jason oh, and Stephen. Uh, Stephen Mathers popped on as well. Yeah. Nice to have you guys on board. So uh, we shall get on to this subject. Uh, can an atheist be spiritual? So Jason says, I think spirituality is something that sets humans apart no matter what you believe. I'm a non-dogmatic atheist or perhaps agnostic, as I don't claim to know everything like I did as a JW. Does that resonate with you, Marianne? Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if I could be proven wrong, I'd be okay with it. But so far I haven't. And you know what? And sometimes I, when I'm in the woods mm. or at the sh- or down the shore and I hear the water, I almost feel like I have somewhat of a connection to that moment. So I don't know. Mm. Some people might say that's a spirituality. I, I don't know. I just feel... At, like peaceful i think it depends on what how you define spirituality i mean if you define yeah. spirituality as spirit and you define spirit as some kind of energy force that kind of thing possibly that could integrate into an atheist outlook possibly i, I mean everybody's you know. different i i definitely would never say i speak for everyone that that has the same viewpoint as i do that's for sure yeah, well, that, that's the thing. Just, you know, the label atheist is basically mm. saying what you're not. It's not saying what you are. You could have a mm-hmm. whole broad church of beliefs within atheism, couldn't you? I guess so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so he says uh, spirituality is something that sets humans apart, no matter what you believe. Non-dogmatic, I think that's good. I think it is. Um, a lot of people think atheism is a dogmatic approach. There is no God. It's not as clear-cut as that, is it? You're not saying there definitely, absolutely, 100% is no God, and he doesn't claim to know everything. I think that's the nice thing, actually, with atheism. I mean, I'm, I don't know if I am an atheist or not. We'll have, a, we'll have a look at that later. But atheists, they're not dogmatic. I don't wear it on my sleeve. Does that make no. sense? It, it, it does. Yeah, you're not, you're not going around trying to convert no. people to not believing. <laughs> no. And it's funny because... I really wonder if it has to do with how you're raised because we didn't raise our children in any religion whatsoever. Yeah. And one day, uh, must've been a few months back. I asked my, they're both in their twenties now. So they're grown. I asked them, you know, what do you consider yourself? And my son said agnostic and my daughter said atheist. And I'm like, maybe there's some truth to that, that if you're not raised with anything, you, you might lean that way to not to necessarily believe in anything. Yeah. I just feel like I would never want to talk for anybody else, but you know, because some yeah. people are still questioning. That's okay. That's the agnostic position, isn't it? The you know, Maybe. still still questioning. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I've got a comment here from uh, Stephen Mather. Hey, Stephen. I know Stephen. You were on uh, Stephen's podcast, weren't you? Yes, about a month ago. That's it. Getting really popular on all these <laughs> podcasts. Stephen says, I guess it depends upon your definition of spiritual. Yeah. So Stephen's an atheist, but he feels a deep connection to the universe as I am a product of it. But I try not to accept things without evidence. That's a good way to put it. It is a good way to put it. So, Stephen, you might you might understand my position on this. So, when I first came out of Jehovah's Witnesses, obviously I was very much believing that there was a God and so forth, you know, God that created everything and I did what you were saying earlier, Marianne, you know, I sort of re-evaluated my beliefs. I did think about atheism. 
What I eventually came to is that there is some underlying reality or some underlying source to the universe. It may not be a personal source. It may just be a quantum field or Mm -hmm. a you know, a field of potentiality or something like that. It may be purely a scientific construct of sorts. I don't actually believe in a God God, you know, as in a God to bow down and worship to or a God that right. is sat there demanding worship. Um, not at all. I, but, I, but I do think there is something there underlying everything that, that produces the, uh, the universe and all that is. Uh, within, the, within the Hindu philosophy, uh, there's the concept of Brahman, which is referred to as the absolute reality, uh, mm. the absolute source of all things. It's also likened to an ocean from which all things arise. Uh, there's a lovely poem in the Ashtavakra Gita that reads something along the lines of, I am the infinite deep in whom all the worlds arise. But it's it's not particularly a god with personal attributes that you need need worship and i found my way from that into first of all pantheism which is the idea that the universe itself is god that's where the pan is all and the theism is is the god bit but with the with the theism idea it it introduces this this thought that it is a god that supernaturally intervenes divine revelation miracles all this sort of thing stephen's saying there i try not to accept things without evidence and that's my problem i don't see any evidence Mm -hmm. of unless you want to say that the universe itself is a miracle which i guess is in that sense but i don't see a god that interacts with the universe on a day-to-day basis from a theistic point of view i just don't see it and you mean like are you is one of the things you're speaking of when bad things happen to good people kind of a deal too i I suppose so or even when good things happen to right good people i just don't i just don't really equate that with with god you know i mean you, you you said a while back the things that you've accomplished you've done it under your own steam yeah yeah and when bad things happen, I tend to think, well, that's got nothing to do with a God existing or not existing. It mm-hmm. would it would seem to me that if God does exist and is just on the outside looking in doing nothing, that's a pretty poor God to me. Yeah. You know, so um, on, on that kind of basis, I suppose – I am somewhat atheistic in in that sense. You know, the the mm-hmm. God, if you want to use that word, that that I believe exists, is not really a biblical God of any sort. It's more of a right. uh, more of a kind of cause, if you will, mm-hmm. a principle of you know, almost a scientific principle that of potentiality that results in everything that is. You know, uh, when when I when I look at the Bible and I see uh, you know all the accounts of god and the things that god is supposed to have done in the past you know parting red seas and burning bushes and raising the dead and all this thing did it happen did it not happen i mean logic would seem to say it didn't happen right because those things don't happen people don't come back from the dead seas don't Mm -mm. part you know it's almost like i don't know if you have it in england but we have our tall tales as we like to call it Mm. that involve people like um paul bunyan uh john henry yeah, and they, they they do superhuman almost like things. Johnny Appleseed, maybe although there's 
you know, who knows if he really exists or not. So, some so whenever I would read the Bible as a, as a young person, I used to think back to those kind of tales, and and they were almost like the same thing to me. Yeah, they, I mean, they are fairly fairly hard to swallow, aren't they? Yeah, the stories. You know, they do. Especially they Jonah do, and the whale. <laughs> yeah, Jonah and the whale. <laughs> Speaking of swallowing, yeah, no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, talking donkeys and yeah. Yeah. All this sort of thing. It's uh, it does seem to to me a lot of that seems mythological stories mm-hmm. from you know the dim and distant past. Having said that, it's a funny thing that even though I discredit a lot of that, I still do believe in certain things, such as, for example, people are going to call me crazy now. If there is life on earth it strikes me that there could very well be life on other planets you know extraterrestrial life out there somewhere no proof but it just strikes me that there could be you know as uh, quite possible that life could have evolved on other planets and if that's the case this universe has been here so many billions of years isn't it 14 billion years something like that something like that it strikes me that there could have been in the past life on other planets that travelled throughout the universe, visited Earth. I mean, we're looking at the moment to try and put a man on Mars in uh, 2030, aren't we? Yeah. Elon Musk is looking at that, and then beyond that, going out out into the solar system. It strikes me as that that kind of thing, entirely possible that it happened in the past, that there were visits from other planets. And if, if we were to land on a planet in our spaceship, on a planet where the the people on that planet had never seen a spaceship before and they'd never seen you coming out of your spaceship in your you know your silver suit and your bubble helmet <laughs> and your iPad and all the rest of it it's very likely they would look at you and think you're a god of some sort possibly you know? very possible um, yeah. i mean that that term elohim god it it just literally means a powerful one mhm and there's so many different stories that run through a lot of the, uh, you know, Sumerian stories and, and other ancient texts that talk about sky people and people visit it, you know. So it's a funny thing, really. I kind of, I, 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 I swallow that down. Right, no. <laughs> but, then when I, but then when I read the Bible and I read about talking donkeys and talking <laughs> snakes and, uh, you know, all this sort of thing, I think, no, that, that to me doesn't sound as if that's, uh, as if that's, a truth. It, uh, it doesn't it boggle the mind sometimes. It does boggle the mind sometimes. Yeah. So I've got a comment coming from uh, song number one hundred and thirteen. No more. <laughs> That's a good title, isn't it? <laughs> I like that. They say I'm really enjoying your life story. Thank you. Uh, they actually refer to me as being a smart guy and a great critical thinker, which I'm pleased about because the last few weeks I've been told. Uh, I'm shallow, and oh, <laughs> so that's, that's good. I've got a little, <laughs> got to lap that up while it's. But they their comment actually revolves around um, episode six of my podcast, "The Truth That Set Me Free." They said they laughed at the fact that I read "Crisis of Conscience" in the meeting. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this was when I was I was actually disfellowshipped from two thousand six to two thousand and nine before I went back for What did students. you hide it in your Bible? <laughs> no, actually no. I just I took it with me and I just sat there in on the back row reading it and uh, it was a great read. Much better than what they were reading. It was. Yeah, it was great. 
I was just reading a bit today, actually, and it was the section on uh, Raymond Franz when he uh, when he was a witness. This is before he joined the governing body. Right. He was tasked with uh, re- doing the research for the aid book, Aid to Bible Understanding, which later became the insight book, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, he just said, when the subject chronology was assigned to me, it led to some serious questions. A major teaching of Jehovah's Witnesses is that Bible prophecy had pinpointed to the year 1914 as the end of the Gentile times. And uh, he talks about the seven times that were applied to that uh, with the 2,520 years beginning in 607 and ending in 1914. And Raymond Franz said, I knew that the 607 BCE date seemed to be peculiar to our publications, but I didn't really know why. So he then went on to spend months of research, according to this, on that one subject of 607 and Bible chronology. And it wasn't just him. There was someone else doing it with him. It says, uh, at the end of months of research, we found absolutely nothing in support of 607 BCE. All historians pointed to a date 20 years later. It's interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, uh, that was one of the things that got me when I, uh, when I first started doing my research back in 2004. I did the math and uh, I also read the uh, Studies in the Scriptures book and just realised that that 1914 date was shifting around all over the place. Sometimes it was 1914. Sometimes it was 1915. It was all over the place. They they just lucked out because of World War One. That's about, you know, that yeah. was lucky for them. Yeah, I essentially like that. But and uh, yeah, when I realised that, it all just sort of started coming crashing down, really, because so many things are connected to the 1914 teaching. It's a house of cards. So that was good. Uh, yeah, but I read uh, I read that in the uh, in the kingdom hall during the meeting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I could have been a fly in the wall. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I've got a comment coming from Dalton Davidson. Uh, says it's just over a year since he left the witnesses. He was in for 11 years. Congratulations. Met his wife in the, uh, yeah, yeah, good that he's out, isn't it? Says he uh, met his wife in the organisation, got married, and after nine years of marriage, we were going through a lengthy divorce. Mm. <laughs> After I became an apostate, in inverted commas, my wife told me she didn't love me anymore. Just like closing a tap off, mm-hmm. she cut her love off. And so, they say yeah. it's not a cult. <laughs> and they say it's not a cult. That's so often the case, isn't it, with the witnesses? The Bible mm-hmm. itself talks about a lack of natural affection being evident oh, yeah. in the world. But I actually see that applied within the organisation. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as it, as soon as the cult comes in between your relationship and you have to choose, it's almost like they can just switch off. Yep. Switch off their love. Scary. It is. And that third chord in the marriage, it's not Jehovah. (laughs) It's the organization, isn't it? Yep. If you ever take out the name Jehovah and you put the organization or the Watchtower organization, it just fits right in perfectly. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've got uh, Cindy Johnson says, please, in capital letters, <laughs> please work as hard as possible to save your living, breathing miracles, your children. Parental alienation does irreplaceable harm. I think what she's saying there is that I should do everything possible to try and get my kids out of the cult. It's a difficult one, this. I have tried everything I possibly can with my kids but they are so I- entrenched in it, partly because me and my wife 
taught them so well to be Jehovah's Witnesses. And I actually, I've reached the point where I don't think there's anything more I can do at this moment in time. So they have to make the choice for themselves. They've got to make the choice. To that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think if you if you push people when they're not ready mm-hmm. to wake up, right? I don't think that works. You can leave a no. few, uh, sow a few seeds and that sort of thing. But that's all um, you can do. It's all you can do. It's heartbreaking, but I, uh, it I is. think that is, that is all you can do. And then I've got uh, another comment coming from Robin29. says, I'm so sorry that you've gone through such pain. I wish you nothing but peace of mind, love and compassion. I think peace of mind That's is nice. peace of mind is what you want, isn't it, at the end of the, it end is. of the day, if you can find peace of mind. Do you think you've found peace of mind eventually? Yeah. I mean, everybody has their days. You know? Yeah. It's you're going to have days where you're where you're just but I'm just living life and enjoying what I have and yep and that's all you can do. What else can you do? <laughs> you're responsible for yourself and you know just do the best with what you have. So uh, would you ever go back? <laughs> I think I think I'm 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 in the same same place. It's uh, so 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 many things would have to change not not just with me but also with the organization and even even if they got all their doctrine correct Mm. you still can't change the fact that these things have happened yes you know and the the same argument applies you know even now they still condemn the catholic church right the spanish inquisition (laughs) you know it happened in (laughs) the past (laughs) the spanish inquisition (laughs) you know these things have still happened on their watch you can't you can't change that you can't change that all the people that have died from not accepting a blood transfusion yeah you can't change that. i don't know how many but i'm sure there's been tens of thousands i would guesstimate and um even things like transplants yeah, I mean that yeah. is some, something that they, they yes. said no to transplants. People died, yeah. and then they actually did change that one, didn't they? I feel like they might have changed it when I was still in it, but I'm not 100 mm. sure about that. And like I said, I left in '86, but I could yeah. be wrong. All right. So uh, yeah, I won't be going back. Uh, you won't be going back. You're happy as an atheist. Oh yes. You're not I, dogmatic. I, no, no, not at all. Um, I do celebrate holidays, but just, you know, for family fun. Just I for the, uh, just for the I fun. Don't, I don't look at them as pagan. I don't look at them as Christian no. or whatever. It's just, it's just something to have fun with. Yeah. Just take the, uh, take the religion out of it. I couldn't agree I more. Think, I think my motto would be to quote a John Lennon song. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. That's kind of how I live my life. <laughs> yeah. And would you say I'm an atheist? What am I? You know, I'm spiritual. God. You know, I, this is going to um, sound really strange, but I, I hate putting labels on people. Uh, I am kind of doing it, aren't I? <laughs> um, duh. But um, I don't know. I guess you're you're walking that fine line. Let's go that way. Very close, aren't I? Very close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about? I'm not worshiping anyone. Bitch? No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're gonna. Uh, we're just gonna finish on okay. uh, on some words of wisdom. Let me know what you think to this. It says. Uh, Whenever tragic loss occurs, you either resist or you yield. Some people become bitter or deeply resentful, while others become compassionate, wise, and loving. Resistance is an inner contraction, a hardening of the shell of the ego. You are closed. Yielding means inner acceptance of what is. You are open to life. When you yield internally, when you surrender 
a new dimension of consciousness opens up. If action is possible or necessary, your action will be in alignment with the whole and supported by creative intelligence, the unconditioned consciousness. Circumstances and people then become helpful, cooperative. Coincidences happen. If no action is possible, you rest in the peace and inner stillness that comes with surrender. I like that. Mm, yeah. When we were witnesses, there was um, a constant striving, wasn't there, to make everything everything right. Yeah. Everything had to be just, mm-hmm. just perfect, you know, and uh, it's not possible. And I think... You know, when people talk about finding peace after Jehovah's Witnesses, I think a lot of it has got to do with surrender. Not giving up. Mm-hmm. Don't mean giving up. It's it's more a case of just surrendering to uh, what is. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you do find a, a degree of peace in that, I think, don't you? I certainly have. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm no longer striving. Uh, striving after the wind, <laughs> <laughs> trying to save myself, doing all those hours and everything else. Thought, time is right, too precious to waste. Time is too precious to waste. Yeah, and you see that. Uh, you see that outlook amongst many an atheist, don't you? Definitely. Yeah, and I, uh, I totally get that. So thanks for uh, thanks for sharing your insights, Marianne. Thank you, Stephen and uh, Jason, and those uh, YouTube comments have been dropped in as well. Can an atheist be spiritual? I think they can be, but it just depends how you define it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay with me. Okay with you. Lovely. So uh, thanks, everyone, for dropping by. Join us again soon. Bye for now. Bye.